Hello and welcome to the Feast and Be Filled podcast. My name is Joey Schwartz, and this show is all about helping followers of Jesus feast on the Word and be filled with the Spirit. We're in our series, Friends for Good. It's all about building a friendship on the fruit of the Spirit and the steadfast love of God. This time, I have my friend Josh on the podcast with me to talk about steadfast friendship between brothers. That's where we're going. Let's get started. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Feast and Be Filled podcast. We're in a series called Friends for Good. Friends for Good in the sense of friends that work for one another's good, that we are seeking to build up one another, bless one another, encourage one another, and all the more as we see the day drawing near, but also friends for good in the sense of steadfast friendship that shows the steadfast love of Christ in the long haul. If you want to summarize this or boil this down, you can look at Galatians 5, a friendship that is in the spirit, encouraging one another, building one another up, a friendship marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and not a friendship that's in the flesh built on rivalry, envy, jealousy. This is really hard. It's something all of us are growing into is How do we love Jesus and walk by the Spirit? Not just in the big things of moments of prophecy and preaching and power, but how do we love people like Jesus loves us in the small things, in the details, in relationships? Sometimes that's what is most difficult. And that's why we're focusing just a few episodes on how to walk by the Spirit in our friendships. Now, we've already spent some time talking about friendships between a sister and a sister, And that was a a marathon episode of that was also so rich going into so many aspects of how sisters can love one another in Christ. And I told you in that episode, I'd be bringing on Josh, who actually Sarah was in the sister to sister episode, Kelly's roommate uh, in college on Morrison 10th floor. And we said, I was going to bring on my brother, Josh, who was my roommate and their next door neighbor. So this, these two episodes together is very much a, a college reunion of sorts, but it's also not a college reunion in the sense that God has in both cases sustained friendship for the long haul. It's not just a college friendship that we look back on the glory days, but by God's grace, Josh and I have been sustained into friendship past college into our 20s, into uh, marriage life, and now into fatherhood. So we're going to share a little bit about what we've learned on how to love one another as brothers through many different seasons and how we've learned, uh, the, I guess, in the refreshing times, the, the sweet times, but also how we've learned the hard way in many times of how to love one another as brothers. Now, a couple of things about Josh. Josh came on on a couple of episodes earlier on uh, around biblical fluency, biblical fluency part one and part two, if you want to go back and listen to that. Josh is a truly gifted pastor and preacher, teacher. He's a college pastor at the Summit Church. And he you're, you'll see as we talk, he, the Lord just gifted him with the power of speech. And if you look at those 
types of gifts in first Peter four, Josh very much has a speaking gift. He serves too, but he has very much speaking gifts and, and the power of the spirit to build up the body. So I've benefited from that gift as his friend, but also Josh just walks by the spirit and the big things and ministering to a lot of college students in the Raleigh Durham area, but also in the small things and in friendships. And I've got to experience that. So Josh, it's a joy to have you on this episode. Thanks for, for joining me. Yeah, man. So fun. So fun to be on here and was even just praising God this morning for the many, uh, exciting, encouraging things that have happened in our friendship and even just some of the harder things we've had to work through that God has used to sanctify both of us. So uh, yeah, it's been worshipful to reflect on our friendship. It's fun. So speaking of some hard things, I'd love to start there. I think that'd be a fun place to start. <laughs> How about let's, uh, I, I, we didn't even talk about this before recording, but I'd love to dive straight into what our biggest conflict, we did that with Sarah and Kelly. That's how we started. And I thought it'd be helpful to go straight to what was our, the biggest conflict we had. Cause I think those, the reason I do that is not cause it's, uh, it's an, just cause it's an interesting place to start the episode, but also because I think it's those moments where the flesh is most prone to come out. So we didn't even sync on this beforehand, but I'd imagine we have the same moment in our mind, the, yeah. the kind of biggest conflict that we've had over our 10 years now, 10, 10 years of walking together with, yeah. with Jesus. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you're, uh, you're talking about the snowstorm. Oh yeah. And the, st- <laughs> yeah. the snowstorm. <laughs> Do you want me to kind of frame it and, talk through it yes all right yeah please. um <laughs> uh okay so we were we were roommates at the time and uh there was a snowstorm this is college our, this is this is your junior your junior year my ju- my sophomore yeah. or your uh, senior year my I junior think my, yeah my senior year your okay. junior year okay and uh one of our one of our buddies in our basically small group um met this guy at the gym who was going to be stranded at Chapel Hill and um, wasn't going to be able to get back home. Um, So, you know, he basically asked us if he could stay in our suite. So he's like a 40, 50 year old man, got a family or says he does, you know, all this stuff uh, wants to stay in our suite with us um, on the 10th floor of a dorm. And he uh, also is like X, Marine, right? Or like he like had some kind of combat yeah. training and had like a, yeah, like I don't know if he had a knife on him or something, but he definitely was like, uh, you know, well, uh, well trained in combat. Um, also mentioned he could provide some alcohol, that kind of thing. So anyway, um, there's this guy. So you know, uh, this our, our buddy is like, hey, can he stay with us? This 45 year old man that we know nothing about, um, and so. That's where the the conflict begins, <laughs> because um, I was thinking we don't know this man. Right next to us is a suite full of um, college girls, literally right next door. That would be Kelly uh, and Sarah's suite. We, yeah, right. Which is Kelly right, and Sarah. Right. Um, and and right below us is uh, my wife, where my soon to be wife at that. Point. I think she. I think we were engaged yeah, at that. Point. Your wife. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, so I'm thinking, oh, there's no way. 
um, you know, this, this can happen. Um, <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, no, that's just not even a question. And then this is what, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. It's been a long time. Oh no, so you sure give, you, you give your perspective on, it. I think it'd be helpful. <laughs> you, can, you can fill in the gaps. Yeah. Um, Joey's <laughs> made a, a statement along these lines of, I don't care what the cost is. We are called to love all people. And I just think if Jesus was in our suite, he wouldn't have cared what it took. He would have welcomed him in and welcomed this outsider, even if he murdered him like in the middle of the night. I, mean, I just remember being like, I don't care what the cost. We have to we have to show this guy the love of Christ. And then I was like, well, I want to show the love of Christ to our neighbors and not, you know, allow them to get murdered by this ex-combat guy. Um, and so, <laughs> so there was this huge discussion and I just... It's kind of tongue in cheek now, but it was like really serious in that yeah. moment. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I felt strongly. You felt strongly. And then I remember, and this is probably one of those moments that I do look back on and praise God for in our friendship, I think was really defining. I don't know. We ever, we didn't really ever come to necessarily an agreement of like, you're right, I'm wrong kind of thing. But it was a moment where we just in our room, both got on our knees and just prayed. And I mean, there were like tears. We were like, what do we do? And we just. I remember feeling in that moment, like, man, I love this brother. I disagree with him right now, but I love him. And I know, uh, I know this brother loves Jesus and loves me. And um, there was just a ton of, I feel like the Holy Spirit just flooded that place with like, like grace towards one another and love. Yeah. And um, uh, and it ended up, that guy didn't end up staying with us. And um, I got overruled. I remember big time. Joe, you what? I got overruled big time. <laughs> yeah 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 well yeah other people in the suite also <laughs> yeah, yeah um but even like i know you were frustrated but you really were like at, at the end of that it just extended a ton of grace and like i disagree with this but i love you and um i just remember the holy spirit bringing so much unity yeah. in that moment in our dorm room on our knees in prayer crying but also just having affection for one another uh and and god really increasing that so it was a it was a pretty wild moment. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Cause we, cause and we'll get into this a little bit, but Josh and I had had so much common ground in terms of a, a common passion for Jesus, a common pursuit of others knowing him that it, there really hadn't been too many situations in our friendship up until that point where we were passionately at odds. And I would say in that on that night, I was I saw this 40, 50 year old guy stranded coming to our suite. And I was like, we're college students. We never have the opportunity <laughs> to like practice like biblical Abrahamic hospitality. Like no one ever comes and says, can I stay? This is our opportunity to like show, you know, this might be an angel. We might be unaware of it. Like we're showing <laughs> hospitality to an angel and we don't even know it. And like, this is, you know, hospitality is such a big deal. Biblically, if he's asking us to stay, we have to do it. Um, and then Josh, I was feeling zeal toward that. And Josh was feeling an equal zeal toward protecting the people around us in case this guy would, was dangerous in, in some way. And I remember we, we let out that passion and let out that zeal um, oh, yeah. in, in our disagreement in that moment. And that could be, that could have been, something that could have solidified into lies toward one another. Like I could have in that moment thought, or let me start with what you could have thought for me. You could have thought Joey's uh, 
unreasonable. He's not open to reason. He's just kind of bulldozes his own way. He thinks, you know, he just thinks uh, his judgment is right and he's got pride in his heart. I could have in that moment thought Josh is, you know, weakening or diluting the call to hospitality. His zeal isn't as strong for loving this man in this moment as I am. And what can happen in those moments of conflict is seeds of lies from the enemy can can find their way into the soils of our heart. And there's so many different friendships where those seeds are planted in moments of conflict and they just stay there for good. They stay there and then they find a root of bitterness and then they grow. And there's no opportunity for a fruitful friendship in the Lord because seeds of bitterness have been planted and grown. Now, in our case, totally by the grace of God, those those seeds were not planted. And I think I look back on it and it's because there was already so much seed of the spirit planted in our hearts of love toward one another that even in a passionate moment of disagreement, there was no room for seeds of bitterness to be planted in our hearts. And you look at the scripture where it says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly because love covers a multitude of sins. And that's what happened in that moment of because totally because of the grace of God, because we had been loving one another earnestly. And we're going to get into that in this episode of the, the need, I think especially the need for brothers to keep loving one another earnestly, to make it their job to love one another earnestly, so that in moments like this where rivalry, tension, um, conflict, selfish ambition can come to the forefront, there's no space for roots of bitterness that love covers a multitude of sins. So how about let's backtrack from that a little bit and speak to that foundation that the Lord gave us. Where do you feel like the Lord had prepared in our hearts a kind of brotherhood that was able to wither a storm or a conflict like that? (laughs) Yeah. I would say it began when we were both doing uh, student ministry and uh, we were opening up a, um, we were basically opening up this like big gathering with all of our students. So, you know, a couple hundred high school students and uh, me and Joey were tasked with opening up this thing with basically a fun <laughs> skit to welcome everyone. <laughs> and we decided um, to uh, hop on a, hop on a moped, moped. Um, I had a moped in college. And so I literally, I'm on this moped, Joey's behind me. And we're these two fictional characters, I think Ted and Ned, and we have loud music playing. We drive up on stage on a moped and get off. And Joey, I remember, I mean, he like lost his mind up there and he was looking at this like freshman high school girl and was like, (laughs) this is Dan and I'm Ned and we're going to, we're going to. Tonight, we're going to grab life by the horns and we're going <laughs> to smash it and we're going to rip out its esophagus. And this is, and I just remember you're going into so much detail. And this poor girl was just like, what is about that? <laughs> and uh, I think that really solidified it for me, man. I think mm-hmm. that was where I was like, I can, I can really trust, uh, trust this brother riding up there on that moped together. Um, you can see where even, my, my sketch, my ministry sketch life that it didn't last long. I did. I think I did a couple for the student ministry when we were in college, did a couple for the college ministry. And yeah, I think, I think they maybe asked me to do it once or twice and then didn't ask me again. 
Yeah. Your, your intensity and passion for practicing hospitality towards strangers is equal in your passion for skits and mm. that intensity when it comes to ripping out esophagus and, and breaking antlers on stage was, oh, yeah. uh, was a little too much maybe for high schoolers. Yeah, so, I think so. um, but yeah, we, <laughs> um, man, that like that foundation of, um, I think like you're talking about just, just trust and, uh, that, that was really built to weather those storms, um, of conflict. A lot of that came just in college, um, through moment after moment of seeking in every way to outdo each other and, and showing honor, you yeah. know, um, uh, I'm sure we'll dive into this passage, but man, I just, yeah, let's when I think about our friendship and, and how it was built, um, and, I really think that's a foundation of it. So yeah, Romans, Romans, uh, Romans 12, um, you know, 12, nine or twelve ten. it says, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another and mm. showing honor. Yeah. So when I think about our friendship, I think that's how it was formed of here's a brother who, who loves Jesus and who, um, because of your deep love for Jesus, it overflowed into you wanting to consistently point me to Jesus. And so I think what happened is this passage where um, the competition was not to outdo each other in proving, um, you know, how awesome we were or proving mm -hmm. that our ministry was more successful because both of us in college were um, leaders in ministry, like had our own small groups and we're trying to um, share the gospel on campus, try to make disciples. And so there could have been a ton of competition. Yeah. Um, but even in the midst of that, the competition was not to outdo each other in ministry performance, but the competition was to outdo one another in showing honor. And yeah. that passage literally showing honor means like showing value and showing how, uh, how loved you are by God and how much he is, gifted you, you know? And, um, so I think that the competition was more so I want to day after day outdo you and showing and ascribing worth to you rather than being selfish with that and saying, um, you know, cause I think that a lot of friendships and especially, um, between brothers, it can be this kind of, um, like I'm, I'm friends with you as long as it benefits me, you know, as mm -hmm. long as it's like fun for me and as long as you're giving something to me. But I think from the very beginning, our friendship was more of we're friends because we want to make each other more like Jesus. And we want yeah. to take every opportunity to encourage and build each other up. And really the competition is I want to outdo you. Like I want to outdo you in showing value. So it was like, if you would give me, if you'd write a note on my desk, like, hey, brother, praying for you, thankful for you, which happened many times. Joey, we were roommates. He would just leave a little sticky note on my desk that said something like, hey, brother, know that Jesus is crazy about you today. Or, hey, brother, know that um, I want you to be strengthened by the grace. When that would happen, I would be like, man, I'm so encouraged. Um, he showed me such honor in this moment. Now I want to give that back to him. And so yeah. it would be like this kind of competition where then I would leave a encouraging note like in your Bible, you know, and um so I love just the the competition being more less like uh, rivalry to prove something, but more just I, I want you to know how for you I am, how for you Jesus is, 
and how much I want to see you succeed in the kingdom of God. Um, and that was almost just like the foundation that was, was built and that helped us weather those storms. Yeah. And like Josh is saying, there was so much opportunity for rivalry. And you look at that Galatians five distinction of the works of the flesh is rivalry and envy and dissensions and divisions but the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace for Josh and I, there was so much opportunity for rivalry because sometimes uh, when when you're looking at the body of Christ, you look at different gifts. Sometimes uh, the friendships that are most likely to form are where there's a complement of gifts. Someone has this gift and another person has a different kind of gift. And Josh, you and I can think of friendships where that's definitely the case, different giftings um, complementing one another and they're fitting. Now, Josh and I both have similar gifts. God is, God's both uh, given us both uh, teaching and preaching gifts, and it, it's almost as if that that made it more likely for rivalry. That made it more likely for dissension. But one one feature that I think was really common uh, between us two really early on is Josh and I. It's funny that we don't need to necessarily go into all the details, but we have a funny kind of history because we were on the same baseball team in fourth grade, uh, went to rival high school, went to rival high schools. So we have like knowledge of one another going back. Josh knew of me when, before I was following Jesus and Jesus saved me. But then we met at a Seder supper in Charlotte, which I, we have to like go back to that. That was amazing. And I've never been some, it was, it was a messianic Jew, Jewish Seder supper. We have to go back to that. Anyway, we'll talk about that another time. But yeah, um, yeah that, I, I remember eating horseradish yes. for the first time. Not, no, I thought it was, um, <laughs> I thought it was like coleslaw or something. And I just put a ton of it on this little piece of toast. And I, I was struggling the rest of that <laughs> night. I mean, it was, it was spicy. Tough. It was spicy. <laughs> Um, but Josh was a freshman in high school or Josh was a freshman in college. I knew of Josh and knew he was a fervent follower of Jesus. Josh, I don't think had known that Jesus had saved me. So we ran into each other and immediately before I even went to Chapel Hill, UNC, we, we saw that we had a common, we had a common zeal. We just had an equal, there was an equal yoke. Uh, uh, I don't know the noun form yokedness um, that we had <laughs> in our in our in our pursuit of Jesus where I just, I just I could see in Josh this brother is zealous he wants to know Jesus he wants to make Jesus known and that continued when I went up to school and and saw Josh there we instantly saw just we're running the same we're some, running the same race now as soon as we began to sense that that God is forming friendship here we also began to sense simultaneously and we would vocalize this to one another that the enemy hated our friendship and the enemy wanted to divide us as friends. We, we both had a common knowledge kind of in the back of our minds that th- this friendship that God is forming between us is really good for the kingdom, not because of anything in our flesh, but because of Jesus saving us and the gifts that God has given us, that this is a friendship that God has brought together for the kingdom. And so the enemy wants to sow division. The enemy wants to break us apart. Now, that might seem like a small thing, but what made that so significant in our friendship is that from the get-go, we saw that the enemy is not one another. No matter what we were going through, no matter what we were working through, we always had this sense of, Josh is not my enemy. And for you, Joey is not the enemy. We have an enemy, the devil, who wants to sow division against us. And because of that, we saw 
really on that if we just open our hands and chill and lean back and don't put in effort, the natural drift, the natural flow would have been toward the flesh. It would have been toward division. Satan would have had his way if we would have just kind of opened our hands and let let the let things go as they would have gone. We knew that we had to actively sow and fight for sowing in the spirit. And because of where the enemy had much opportunity with us in the sense of trying to create division and rivalry, we knew from the get-go that would mean we need to do a few things um, constantly. Number one was pray together. So Josh and I spent hours in prayer together before we became roommates, but especially when we became roommates, that provided all the more opportunity uh, to pray together. And praying together was so key because there's nothing that sets the heart toward good for your brother, toward uh, for your friend, than praying for him. When you bring yeah. your brother to the throne room, you God does a work in that moment. He aligns your heart with God's heart, and God's heart toward your brother is for good. It's for sanctification. You start to see your brother more and more like God sees them. The second thing is that we... Um, encourage one another and we outdid one another in honor, like Josh is saying. And I'd like to, uh, in a moment, I'd like to get into more specific ways that we did that. And Josh touched on it, but that was big because the more that we tried to, like Josh is saying, make it our competition to honor one another more than the other, that is a beauty. That is the only competition that fosters love and joy and peace in the spirit. <laughs> There's no other competition that fosters it, but that competition, it really does foster. Like make it your competition to outdo the other person in honor. And it's a competition that you just get lost in because if you just get in the habit of it, you forget that you're in a competition and you just, you have a situation where you're, you're just honoring one another and, and building one another up. And I, I'd like to, Josh, remind me if, if we don't get there, I'll write it down. I'd like to get into specifically like, what does it look, what does it mean to honor? What's the difference between that and flattery? And I hope to touch on that. And then the third element is brotherly affection, brotherly affection. We were not afraid to tell one another and did not hold back from telling one another that we loved one another as brothers and as friends. I think uh, we're, we're going to, we'll touch on this more and more in our conversation, but I think Josh and I had an uncommon uh, uh, verbal affection for one another in the sense that we, we were not afraid to tell one another how we felt about one another. And that constant expression of gratitude, of thanksgiving, of affection, that really did provide this, um, kind of like I said in the beginning, this soil, this soft soil for friendship to grow between us. Mm-hmm. Now, turning that to the, those are some ingredients that the Lord used to foster true brotherly love among us. Josh, from from your observation, what are some of the things that, hold brothers back from a friendship in the spirit? Maybe some hindrances or roadblocks, barriers, obstacles that typically stand in the way and and maybe tend to bring brothers more into a fleshly friendship, rivalry, dissension, division than a friendship in the spirit. What have you observed? It could be either in personal experiences you've had or in your ministry, just looking at other brothers in the church. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I think the, um, 
there's a few things. One, we, I hit on this a little bit, but just an entitlement or like consumer mindset and, um, and friendship, you know, so this, this happens a lot with, um, I see a lot with guys where, uh, this friendship is just about what it offers me. Um, so this friendship is valuable to me as long as it gives me something, as long as I'm having fun with this person, or as long as, um, you know, this guy is, uh, encouraging me even, you know, and like, we just have this expectation that a godly friendship means I'm going to be like incessantly encouraged and built up by this brother. And as soon as that stops kind of happening, then this friendship is no longer any good to me. So it's like a consumer and like, that's what I'm entitled to in a friendship rather than a, um, I'm actually this friendship. Like I have all that I need in, in Christ. Um, I, I know who I am. I don't need to prove anything. I don't need, like, I have that. Um, I'm rooted and established in love as Ephesians three says, which means thence this friendship is an opportunity for me to show honor and show value. And rather than thinking, what is this doing for me? I'm thinking, how can I build up this brother? Um, and, uh, and so friendship is about the other. It's not about self, you know? Um, so I think that's one big thing. I also think, a like a lack of, um, another barrier is a lack of consistent, um, vulnerability, uh, or confession. Like, I think that oftentimes guys, what happens is you maybe confess sin, um, if like you're in a, you know, small group once a month with guys or in a D group once a week or something like that. Um, you might confess sin, but it's usually not that deep. It's like pride or lust, or maybe if you're specific, you know, porn or sexual sin. Um, but it's usually, it just stops there. Usually it's like once a week, maybe once a month, um, kind of, uh, or if you're trying to be vulnerable about suffering, it's usually only when there's like, something extremely hard or we were talking about being weak, right? Like when there's a death in the family or there's a breakup that happens. So there's just kind of a, um, often a lack of weakness or vulnerability. Whereas a man, a, a brotherhood that thrives is one where there is like, um, consistent. Like I, I just remember with us, um, uh, you know, in college, it looked different. It looks different than now, but even in college, we would be like playing darts and just sharing like, man, what was hard for you today? You know, well, man, I just mm -hmm. did not spend time, meaningful time in the word today. I haven't had as much joy in the word. There was just this kind of weakness and vulnerability. Or even now, um, when we catch up on the phone, you know, every few weeks or so, um, we're asking each other, like, man, be honest about what's really hard in your life. Like, don't give me that, you know, crap about just feeling superior or arrogant or prideful. Like, what do you really, what do you mean by that? Or, uh, so there's just, and I think more, we don't like, even, we don't, we've done it now for so long too, that we just kind of go, yeah. we, we enter into that without even needing to necessarily say it too. Yeah. yeah keep going. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, um, no, and I just think we actually just did this big, we're kind of looking at some of the, the men in our college ministry who we've just seen really thrive, mm -hmm. um, and who, who leave the ministry that are like pretty formed, mature disciples of Jesus. And this is crazy across the board. Every single one, what was consistent was they had, um, open and honest, uh, community with brothers. Like there was consistent, yeah. open, honest, vulnerable community where they were both 
consistently sharing weakness and sin, and they had consistently had someone that was challenging them and encouraging them in that. Um, so I just, I think the lack of that kind of vulnerability or confession in relationships, which kind of ties into also a lack of meaningful conversation. Yeah. Um, I think that with guys, especially, this is just um, different and hard, you know, like it's, it's kind of the natural bent. It seems like to talk about um, what's going on in the world, sports, culture, um, or just to like play a sport together and work out together. And there's very little depth of, uh, of conversation, you know? Um, and I think that takes a lot of just intentionality. Um, but and in order to live out the commands of scripture, to encourage one another, to exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, um, then we have to be men and brothers who talk about more than um, Steph Curry's all-star record. You know, like we've got to be men who talk yeah. about more than that. If we want to be brothers who challenge each other to be formed in Christ, which does mean um, sometimes uh, at probably the beginning of a friend, like awkward transitions where you're like talking about, Steph Curry, and you got to say, hey, like, what is God teaching you in the Word? So, and we did a whole podcast on that, like how to have meaningful, yeah, um, you know, Christ-centered, Bible-centered conversations. But um, I, I think those are a few things that are barriers uh, that have to be have to be fought against to have meaningful depth of relationship with brothers. Yeah, I see. I see. That's really helpful. I see a few um, a few more, in, that I could add to to what you just said. I mentioned it a little bit already. I think that there is a real barrier among men, between men, from showing true brotherly affection toward one another. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of contributing factors. I'd say on one side is this view, this macho view of manhood, of totally stoic face, never phased by anything, um, doesn't, you know, doesn't need other man friends. I don't know where that came from. I, I don't think I've been a long, alive long enough to trace that through, at least for our context, American history to see where that comes from, what generation or whatever. But I think there's still remnants of that, of a view of manhood that is, uh, just kind of grind it out. You don't, you don't need, and, and, uh, affection emotions are, are a bad thing. And then I think on the other side of that, I do believe that a, because of a more open and, uh, without a doubt, a culture, the cultural, uh, kind of putting forth of homosexuality as, um, as kind of very much, just permeating culture right now within the church. I think that there is, uh, there's the temp- almost the fear among brothers and correct me if you think I'm, I'm wrong on this, but I think there's a fear among brothers of like, we want to so react against a distortion of male to male love that we're almost afraid of entering into the biblical and good and true and honorable and right male-to-male love that's expressed in scripture. And almost this feeling of like, I don't want to be seen as feminine or I don't want to be seen as drifting in that direction at all. And so this tightening up of, I can't show brotherly affection 
at all. Because I look at I look at scripture, and you look at uh, Paul in First Timothy, First uh, Timothy one, uh, or maybe it's Second Timothy one. Let me see where he says. Uh, I thank God whom I serve as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. See Paul talking about his friend Timothy. He said, I remember your tears. I long to see you. I I'm thinking about you day and night. You look at uh, Paul writing into the Philippians and he says, how much I yearn for you all with the affections with the affection of, of Christ Jesus. Well, what was the affection of Christ Jesus? I mean, the affection of, of Christ Jesus was the Savior who got on his knees and washed feet. I mean, he he so loved his, his disciples that he scrubbed the dirt off between their toes. And you look at even um, Luke 15 in the parable, the parable of, of the prodigal son, and you see this image of, of what even like fatherly, brotherly love looks like in the father. The father doesn't run up to the prodigal when he comes up and and kind of um, give, he doesn't give him a handshake, like "Hey, son, handshake. Good to see you. Glad you're home." He wraps a robe around him. He kisses him. He puts a ring on his finger. I think in just our through many factors, some I mentioned, and probably a thousand that I didn't. American manhood, at, and I'll at least speak around our context. It often let's give a you know. Let's give a kind of a handshake kind of love between brothers, a firm handshake kind of love. I'm strong and I'm going to give you this firm handshake from a distance and seeing that almost as like a metaphor for the way that we treat one another. And it's not a washing feet and a holy kiss kind of love. I mean, we always joke about that passage, but that what a window into the way that Paul loved his brothers. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. And just the thought of that seems really uncomfortable. And and we can kind of laugh about that and say, oh, that would be, how weird would that be if we just gave one another a holy kiss? But actually, if you dig, just dig a layer underneath that and say, why is it so, why is that so funny or weird? The possibility that I would see my brother and kiss him on the forehead. I think what makes that so weird is because we have not tapped into the depths of intimacy and affection between brothers that Paul expressed with his brothers, that more importantly, Jesus expressed with his brothers. So I think with my friendships with the brothers, I have some ways to go. And and uh, like you said, sometimes it takes an awkward shift. That That's uncommon today. So to shift into that, you would stand out pretty immediately, right? If we just started kissing our brothers on the forehead whenever we see them, that would that would stand out pretty big time. So, um, so there's a lot of things working against us, but I would say, even though I have so much room to grow in this area, I'd say for Josh and I, we actively practice that big time. Like we, we said, I love you to one another often. We wrote notes to one another, which in a lot of ways, like you could see that as... Um, reserved only for like dating courting relationships of writing letters to one but but it was a way of us saying my brother we knew that one another we were encouraged by words of affection and words of encouragement and so we would write down scripture to one another and write down encouragement to one another and send it to one another um a really practical thing i i, I know that we're getting kind of practical here, but when I see Josh, I don't give Josh a handshake. I give Josh a hug. And that's true. That's true with all of my brothers in, in the Lord. 
even though it might seem almost trivial or superficial, I, I don't think it is. I think that that the way that we speak to one another, the way that we encourage one another and build one another up, it needs to it needs to be aligned with the brotherly affection of Jesus Christ. And the more that it is, I think the more that we're going to be walking in the friendship of the Spirit. Yeah, man, that's so that's so true. And uh, what it does to like brotherly affection um, is it really like opens the door, like physical affection, like that, like a hug, um, you know, and or even things like writing notes and encouragement. It just kind of opens the door to this friendship is is deeper than just a um, like we're just going to play sports and have fun together. Uh, but it is a like, I actually want to uh, enter into all of your life with you, your struggles. I want to even Romans um, 12, right after it talks about outdoing one another and showing honor. It says rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. You know, like when was the last time you wept with a brother just over their sin or over something in their life? And I think that, um, man, scripture just calls us to this kind of brotherhood that is a lot more meaningful and deeper than just what culture maybe has historically said brotherhood should look like. Um, and it's interesting too, because uh, I, I think when you look at, especially like older generations, um, like probably our parents age, it's, it's pretty rare to find uh, men that age who have consistent community with other men. Like yeah. that is meaningful and deep where they're asking each other questions where they're um, and a lot of that is even just the fruit of not seeing this need for affection and love and consistent uh, community. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, that, so I think there's something mm-hmm. a lot deeper there, too, uh, of why that is that we don't we don't do that um, and we don't build a friendship around affection, love, encouragement, but it's actually more built around sports, fun, and, uh, you know, other things. Um, Something that helped us in college, Josh, with that, with building that strong foundation was that we lived together. I mean, that we, we can't get around, like, we had so much time to pray together. We had so much time to encourage one another, so much time and proximity to build one another up. As you, as you touched on that, the effect, um, the, the, the trend of, of men as they get into, let's say post-college work life and then maybe post-college family life and then parenting to, to isolate. And I know you and I have, I've felt this in various ways. There's, there's certainly a transition between brotherhood um, and I'm not just talking about you and I, just seeking friends and brothers post-college into work life, into family life and fatherhood. I, I'm, I'm just curious, what have you observed and, and learned there? Um, because I think I'm still learning because it, in, in some ways there's no substitute for time. And so what are you learning in that space of continuing brotherhood, building brotherhood, fostering brotherhood post-college? What what adjustments have you had to make as, as time has become more of a limiting factor? Yeah. I, the, the biggest thing is like every season of life, I think brotherhood and friendship looks different and that's yeah. okay. Um, 
And also part of what I was saying the very beginning, which is that it like a, a brother, your goal in it is to, to serve and to outdo this brother in showing honor, even if you don't feel like it's getting reciprocated. Because I hear a lot of, especially post-grad frustration, frustration after college with like, I've tried to reach out, but you know, no one's really reached back out to me um, or tried to build community, but it doesn't seem like it is being reciprocated. And um, what often that means is I've been trying to basically live like I was in college, which is like very daily, like you're seeing each other all the time kind of community, but it's not really happening. Um, and I just think there needs to be a ton of grace given, you know, and like not having this expectation that after, after college, every friendship or brother looks like that. We were able to hang out every single day. I and mean, I didn't think about with you, um, we have, we have a great friendship, but we don't, sometimes we don't even talk weekly, you know, like yeah. often it's sometimes, sometimes in seasons it's once a month, uh, sometimes I'll text you five times, four times, you know, and yeah. you might text me back a little bit or other times you'll text me yeah. a few times and I might give you a little bit back. But, um, you know, if it's, if there's not a, like the goal of friendship is not, I'm seeking to build this brother up and I'm extending grace and trust then very easily in that friendship bitterness, like you were talking about, or, um, this kind of like, Oh, you know, he doesn't really care about me. It can kind of seep in, um, but I think especially after, after college, um, it just takes a lot of, yes, giving grace, clear expectations, but also I think it just takes more intentionality yeah. of this is something that is really valuable for me. And I see scripture commands it, you know, like whoever isolates himself seeks his own destruction. Like I, I want to be surrounded by men who for the rest of my life are going to you know, encourage me. And so I think what's hard about this is, um, after college moving jobs, uh, you know, you get a family, it seems like you can kind of, you can move a lot. Community can look different year to year based on different seasons. So what I love about our friendship that I think is really helpful for men to have is to have just like a few brothers who, regardless of what community looks like for you for the rest of your life. You just have those guys that, you know, once a month, once every couple months, maybe even like twice a year, you just know you're going to share all of like, you're going to go on a retreat together or hang out one weekend throughout the year. And you're just going to share all of your weakness in life and what's hard. And there's this kind of, I guess, like you said, steadfast lasting friendships that you establish. And we've had that. And it's looked very different in different seasons. You know, yeah. like I remember before we had kids, we literally put on our Google calendar a call like once a week. Yeah. You know? yeah. And it was like every week we're going to commit to this time. Then we had kids and <laughs> that is not quite as yep. consistent, but there's still this like, I know, I guess understanding we're going to, um, you know, as much as we can uh, be intentional about calling and things like that. So it does look different, but I think giving grace oh, yeah. and having clear expectations and intentionality is so important, but also just understanding you can't be close brothers with everyone, yeah. you know, yep. you kind of, you kind of have to have just a few guys. You're like, Hey, these are sort of my, my lifetime brothers. You know, I'm going to be really faithful to the community that is near me. Cause I think that's so important. The local church that you're a part of right now, like 
dive deep into those relationships and it is so worth it because those are the like day-to-day relationships that hopefully will form you but i also think it is important in a you know often culture where we can move around a lot to have those brothers that uh that are going to be there that know you for years and years and years and years and you can catch up on the phone and it's like you just pick up where you left off and they know your weakness they know your flaws so I think all of that is is really important in this conversation. What's really important about you and I as an example, and I know it's the case with other brothers you have and I have, uh, as as the from the from a distance, because of what God has enabled us to sow in our friendship, we have an we know that the other is deeply deeply for us. And that there is abundant grace in in the gaps of communication. So Josh knows I'm not the best text message responder at all. Uh, I and and sometimes, like Josh said, sometimes Josh, like Josh said, Josh isn't either because Josh has we we both are in mm-hmm. us, um, jobs and ministry life that has have a lot of relational uh, connections. Josh is one of probably has the widest relational net of any human being on planet earth. I have a limited one. So Josh is able to handle that better than I am. But in either case, sometimes there's gaps in, um, in being in talking to one another. But in the meantime, I know if I, if Josh and I take three weeks to call, I know that Josh isn't over there just saying, Joey is the worst friend ever. He is totally letting me down. He's failing me. But I'll also say a lot of that, it comes through the work that we put in um, from the start, work mm-hmm. of encouragement, work of prayer, work of building one another up, where there's a common understanding that we're for one another's good. And I think yeah. that that's brothers from a distance. Now, as you go on and maybe you move to a city and you're uh, trying to establish brotherhood there, there's a few things that I would, that I would encourage you toward. Um, the first is is just model it for many. And when I say model it for many, I mean Mm -hmm. with many brothers, just show them what brotherly affection looks like by just blessing them without expectation of return. Bless them, build them up, work for their good, make it your aim. And I think this is what Josh and I did for one another. And it's also care. It's true of all of our deepest friendship. I just made it my aim of, I believe one of God's calls on my life is to help make Josh the most godly and fruitful disciple of Jesus that he could possibly be. And I know Josh saw it as his call to make me one of the most, or make me the most godly and fruitful disciple that I could be. Give yourself in service to other people and just say, Bob, I don't know, Billy Bob, who knows what his name is, (laughs) Billy Bob in New York or Colorado or Florida, wherever you're at. He doesn't even know this, but I'm going to make it my aim to build him up, bless him, make him a more fruitful disciple, and I'm not going to expect anything in return. So so just model it for many, but then I would say focus on a few. And when I say focus on a few, Josh is right, especially as in college you have prox, uh, the framework of college, it, it, it just tees up committed friendship for you. College just tells you, go live, go live with people who you're like-minded with in a dorm. And we also, you're not going to have a job for most people. You're not going to have a job. You're just going to be taking classes and you got all this spare time. 
college presents a framework for you that life does not present for you. you when you uh, get your Bank of America job or you get your graphic design job or you get your nannying job or whatever whatever it is, that, that doesn't have in the job description, hey, as a part of this job, we want to set up life so that you can have a lot of deep friendships. But college pretty much did that for you. There's not that framework. And so you actually have to construct that framework post-college. And I'd say that framework has to be constructed by intentionality. And it and it, ha- it can only be constructed with a few. And so there are going to be a few as you go on and as you bless and build up, there are going to be a few people that you, you, you make it known, I'm going to, like, I, I actually want to, and maybe it's one of those things that you don't, <laughs> I don't know, maybe you can speak into this, Josh. I feel like sometimes it's less than helpful. I don't think that Josh and I ever said, hey, man, do you want to be my friend? And I don't think Josh ever came to me and said, do you want to be my friend? But I think there were conversations of committed mutual ministry together, and in the overflow of that, we we experience deep friendship. So that intentionality, it might not say, yeah. hey, would you be my best friend? Would you be my, I, it might be more so, hey, brother, I need someone who um, every week I'm getting together and we're talking about marriage and I need to be able to share the, way, the ways that I'm serving my wife and blessing her and building her up. And I need to share the ways that I'm sinning against my family and, and more important, sinning against my God. And we need to meet up weekly and and have some commitment around there and watch how in the overflow of that framework that you almost artificially have to set up for your life, natural friendship um, uh, uh, just kind of overflows. And that was the, that was the, the third thing I was going to say is just do something together and like Josh said, I, I don't mean primarily like get a golf buddy or, uh, you know, go do ultimate together or something like that. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but I, I mean, run the race together in Christ. Like see, we have a mission here to make Jesus known. We have a mission to use our spiritual gifts to build up the body and to show the kingdom power to the world. If you're listening to this podcast, this is not uh, you know, friendship for the sake of friendship podcast. If you're listening to this podcast, like this is what we're talking about is friendship for the sake of Jesus being glorified, heaven coming to earth. Mm-hmm. And, and so seek to do something together to build up the body. And I just, I look at that. And I'm like, that's, you want to know where Paul said, I'm like, Paul told Timothy, I'm crying right now as I remember your tears and I'm praying for you all day. Mm-hmm. You want to know where that came from? They saw miracles together. They saw Jesus move in power together. So just commit to a few and do something together for ministry. And that is what Josh and I had. That's what um, Wes and Josh and I had of, of we just, we were running the race together. And then I think it's that C.S. Lewis classic quote, like you're running and then you look to your left and you say, you too, like uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're running the same race and you're able to, to do it together. Um, yeah, I don't know if you'd have anything yeah. to add to that. No, I, I actually, I kind of love the, maybe we should have like DTRs. I don't know if people still do that. Uh, define the relationship. relationships, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. I think we should have the DTRs. <laughs> um, we'd be my best friend. Uh, and then we'd give them like a friendship circle bracelet or something. Yeah. That'd be but, good. um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, um, man, that's really just makes me think a, a lot about, um, 
how our friendship was formed through doing comment, like doing ministry together and seeing God answer prayer together, but praying together for things. And I, I didn't think that's why, um, like Paul says, I think it is in Second uh, um, Timothy, where he says, uh, but he he describes Timothy as his um, fellow worker, fellow soldier, and fellow brother, which yeah. I love. You know, it's like I'm both laboring alongside you. Um, I'm both like, uh, man, I see you as my fellow soldier who's like fighting this fight with me of yeah. the faith. But I also see you as a brother who I just love and a friend. Um, and I even go back to like just some of the, I guess you could say, steps of faith we took together um, that united us in, in so many ways. You know, it's like those are the things that forge deep friendships is taking risks together and stepping out in faith. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of like those steps of faith, that journey is what really builds friendship. And for us, that was, uh, I remember we did this thing in college. Um, we both were very passionate for like, man, we want to see God reach uh, and change and transform our campus. And we just had this, I mean, you were reading George Whitfield biographies about how he saw revival. And, um, you know, I, I was uh, not reading as much as you were, but um, was still dreaming of it. And like thinking, man, <laughs> uh this is me. I was reading probably Lord of the Rings or something, you know, um, and like, man, this is going to be amazing. Like we want to see God move on our campus. So we got this passion. And I remember you being like, we should just go for it and try something yeah. crazy, you know? You know? Um, and so we tried this thing. We called it uh, Converge, where we brought all these like um, just leaders uh, on campus and different campus colleges or, or churches, campus ministries, um, and just prayed together for a move of God. And uh, it culminated in this big event, like open air event outside of, it's actually funny, our, one of our buddies just texted us this morning yeah. and said, um, today was like the seven year anniversary of uh, the Converge event. He sent us this picture that said like seven years ago and we're outside and there's probably like a hundred people there or something. Yeah. And you were- um, Thousands. You were preaching. <laughs> over over seven years it went from uh it went from 12 people to twelve thousand. <laughs> oh man praise god for how time uh highlights god's glory more and more and exaggeration um but you were like standing there preaching and i remember thinking like so there's about 100 people it's outside and it's kind of hard to hear so joey took it upon himself to yell the entire circle i mean he was yelling about like how much god loves you and it didn't sound necessarily angry, but it did sound intense. <laughs> it, was just, it was hilarious. But then I realized halfway through, like, man, we should have for sure invested in some speakers. That would have been very helpful. <laughs> like, we're, we're actually not in George Whitfield's time period. We do have amplification of sound. It's not your vocal cords. Um, but uh, it was just so cool. Like, we, we did. We saw a few people respond in faith. And, but honestly, it wasn't like this incredible success. No. I don't, <laughs> I no. mean, it was like, <laughs> uh, was not exactly what we were dreaming of i mean we were dreaming of like thousands you know and there was like oh, yeah. maybe 100 people that showed up and like half the group couldn't even hear joey because they're in the back and they're just kind of sitting back there like picking their nose or you know looking at uh their phones and stuff um and so we were like man that was not the move of god we were expecting but that that like united us because yeah. we went for something and we even like kind of failed together we were like yeah. man but we're not like regretting it because we went after it and we we followed the spirit's prompting and we got the we got to do that together and 
Um, and over the course of the next few years, like we were on staff together with the church, um, on college staff and, uh, got to fail together in that as well <laughs> in a lot of ways. But through all of that, there was just this dreaming together of like what God could do in prayer and prayer together, uh, and on our knees. And it just, uh, yeah, and then united us. So I do think that's good counsel of wherever you're at right now. Find just a, a few brothers who you can pray with and expect much yeah. of God with, but also attempt things together. You know, whether that's like, hey, let's just start a prayer group on Friday mornings before yeah. work and see how God moves. Let's just do that. Taking those risks of faith together, um, and I think it builds unity and brotherhood and you get to experience God together in ways that you see all throughout scripture as they devote themselves to one another, but they also devote themselves um, to prayer yeah. uh, in Acts 2. So, I do think yeah. a, di- I do think a directionless, a directionless brotherhood is, mm-hmm. is suffocating uh, uh, to yeah. when two brothers come together and they say, I want to be, f- let's just be friends for the sake of being friends. I think that's a lot of, the reason why many non-believers and maybe apathetic believers don't have deep friendships is because sometimes they're with other guys and they're like, what's the point? Like what's the, and no, because God has made us as brothers to move somewhere together to, to run the race together. And in the overflow of that to find depth. And yeah, that converge story. It was wild. We got a text this morning right before recording about from, from our brother who was involved with us in that. And it was a flop, not a flop. And it was, I mean, Paul, I just look back on it. Like Paul sometimes went to a city and revival broke out. Sometimes he went to a city and they wanted to stone him. And he was like, all right, I'm going to leave. That was more of a, uh, yeah, we're, we just, we, this isn't a fruitful, <laughs> this wasn't a fruitful endeavor, but it was a flop in, in that way. But I, Josh and I, we can say just this doesn't have too much to do with friendship, but we can both say 100% that, um, that we have never regretted being bold for Jesus. We've only regretted not being bold for Jesus. Any step of faith that we've ever taken, it's, that, that's what we look back on and say God moved through it in even ways that we saw and ways that we didn't. But we, we never regretted taking a step for him, even like a, a step like Converge. Um, but in, in terms of limiting, limiting to a few, I think one of another reason that we touch on why you, you have to limit to a few is because I 100% agree with what you said, Josh, in terms of the confession of sin is so key for brothers. And we, we touched on this in my conversation with Kelly and Sarah, but a couple of things to note here. When we're saying confession of sin, we mean confession of sin, not confession of your messiness or confession of, ah, you know, I'm just struggling or having a hard time. Where is it that you are actually sinning against God and not pulling this Adam-like blaming your circumstances, blaming, oh man, I fell into this sin and all this. No, actually Psalm 51, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Having practices of confession where we say, I I sinned in this way, I feel my heart sinning against the Lord in this way. You can't do that with everyone because one of the features of that for you and I is that we didn't have, we had rhythms like every every Saturday we'd gather with a couple of brothers and, and share that. But also I think we we had developed the expectation that you shouldn't wait until your Friday morning meeting to confess, that you should confess rapidly. Whenever, whenever you find sin in your heart, that's the time to confess it. And you can't do that with everyone. You can't do that. I would say you can't even do that with five people. You do need a few brothers who 
you can have on the spot confession, whether that's a, a call, a text message, whatever it may be, ongoing confession of sin. There's a couple of, of fruits of that. One is it just makes you more holy. It makes you more like Jesus to continually confess your sin and find healing in the presence of your brother. But another thing that it does, one of the greatest temptation between brothers will be rivalry. And when you remember we are both sinners before God, we are both desperately in need of grace. We're both moving, stumbling in a way, one step back or two steps forward, one step back, degrees of glory towards sanctification. And we need one another in that journey. Then we're, that breaks rivalry um, in a big way. And when it comes to confession of sin, I would say uh, another thing that was helpful for Josh and I is that neither of us bore exclusively the burden of uh, exhorting one another and holding one another accountable in our confession of sin. We had Wes uh, for some six years from uh, college into post-college who Wes, I, I even mentioned in the podcast with Kelly and Sarah, but having a third, I think was really helpful for us because it helped us not feel like I was holding exclusively the weight of everything that Josh was going through or vice versa. But Wes was also um, an equal share brother of, we were holding him accountable. He was holding us accountable. And even Wes, it, it kind of began as a discipleship relationship of Wes pouring into us, but it grew into a friendship of us holding one another accountable. So I think watch out for any situation where you're, like Josh said in the very beginning, you're putting unfair expectations on a brother to hold the weight of your marriage or your purity or breaking this habit or that habit. Sharing the load with a couple of brothers can be helpful there. Yeah. I would also add to that, like modeling, um, modeling confession like you you talked about uh if it's not happening yet then model it for brothers you know in terms of like building meaningful brotherhood um and friendship but i think with confession that's a huge thing too is um like that it's tough to expect it if you're not actually doing it um and so i think that goes for intentionality and friendship reaching out to people encouraging but it also goes for confession of sharing like your, your deepest sin, also your suffering, but also yes, specific sin. And I just, man, I know I remember having multiple times on our, uh, that moldy couch in our sweet living room, you know, in college where, uh, you were, you would come back home and confess some very like specific sin. And I would, yes, remind you of, the grace of Jesus, but then that would lead me to be like, actually, man, I, I need to confess something to you as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so when someone models it for you, it actually invites them to engage in that, uh, as well. And, and that's, yeah, I think that's huge because sometimes we can have this expectation of friendship that like, we just kind of expect other people just to do it without ever really modeling how it's, how it's done. And I think for me, even post, college um it's been really kind of it's exciting and fun for me to um see some brothers that i've been like texting and encouraging or uh just for a long time encouraging them but they haven't given me much in return which is fine mm -hmm. um you know i'm doing it to serve uh, but even just i've noticed in the last like couple months a few brothers who have 
like texting me something really encouraging. And I'm like, wow, that would not have happened a couple of years yeah. ago. Um, but years, like it, it takes time, you yeah. know? And I think that, well, that might be something else to mention as a barrier or something, but, uh, and I think we just can expect like you love Jesus. I love Jesus. This thing is just, we're just going to be amazing brothers right now. Um, but like friendship, fruit grows slow and so do fruitful friendships, you yep. know? Amen. And, uh, and I think our friendship is, there is a ton of trust and there is, um, man, I think it's deep because of the years and years and years of friendship that has been built. So I would also say like, do all these things, model it, confess, yeah. um, meet weekly, engage in ministry together, but also have a ton of patience yeah. with brotherhood and friendship and give a ton of grace because, um, man, at, at the end of the day, your brother is just another broken sinner like you that needs Jesus. And so they can't be Jesus for you. Uh, so give it time and let that, like, like you were, you've been saying, like, um, that soil of trust that's, you know, embedded, let that fruit slowly grow out of that. Um, but yeah, man. Yeah. That's really, that's really helpful. Uh, giving it patience and something that'll help you in that time of patience. Cause right now, Josh are talking, Josh and I are talking 10 years in and we're, we're talking about the fruit that has been cultivated, but that that's taken, it's taken years of investment and it is easy to almost grow weary of you're planting these seeds and you're not seeing any fruit just to continue planting seeds and something else that'll help in that patience is just, uh, supplementing that patience with prayer and continually just asking the Lord to cultivate deep brotherhood and friendship, um, to, to provide brothers who have that equal yoke of, of pursuit of Jesus and, and to give you dis- discernment on how to, how you can invest in that. I think that's always the best mindset is asking the Lord for discernment. How can yeah. I invest in this? How can I bless? How can I, how can I build up? The sluggard, it's the sluggard who craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. And uh, like I mentioned in the Slay the Sluggard series, we can approach friendship with this sinful craving of just who's going to come encourage me? Who's going to come be a brother to me? Who's going to tell, you know, oh man, I listened to this podcast where they talked about brotherly affection and encouragement. Who's writing me notes and who can do that for me? And it's like, <laughs> no, you you do that for your brother. You, you pray for your brother. You encourage them. And then in the meantime, pray that the Lord would build up brothers. I mean, I'm sure Wes for us for years was he was pouring out and not getting too much back from us uh, in terms of encouragement, all that. And it took some years. Mm-hmm. And then when later on we, we became the brothers that he was actually leaning on as friends after he had invested for so long. So some of the people that you're just yeah. blessing, remember whoever bless blesses will himself be blessed. Whoever waters will himself be enriched. So continue to just water, 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 and, and let the Lord kind of show, um, show who, who's going to kind of be raised up in that space. Are you going to add something? Uh, Yes. I think it's important too, to whenever, cause this is inevitably going to happen where there's frustration in your friendship of like, I feel like I'm putting more into this than this person is. Um, or, or, I mean, it could be anything, any kind of conflict or whatever. And so I, I think even just whenever there is a seed of bitterness that starts to grow towards a brother, I think just, it's really simple, but having a conversation about it, like, 
Hey man, it just, it feels like I've been reaching out a lot, but I haven't gotten a lot in return. Like is, uh, is there like, I don't know. I just, can you speak into that? Like, is that, you know, I, I think having a conversation is really helpful because you, you did this with me, um, sort of about brotherhood a little bit more about like our, me and my wife's like, in, like involvement in y'all's life over COVID. <laughs> we just did not get to hang out a lot together. And you had a conversation with, with, with us where you were like, Hey, um, this is probably on me for not clarifying, uh, expectations, but I just, we just expected you guys to be in our lives more, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and you were honest about it and you gave a ton of grace and it was helpful. Um, because instead of letting that seed grow into bitterness towards us of expectations that I didn't even know were there, or I didn't think were being unmet, you know, like you actually brought it to the light and then we were able to talk through it yeah. and set realistic. So expectations. So I just think revisiting expectations, especially in new seasons, yeah. like when you graduate college or when you're, when you move or when you have a kid or like, Hey, what do you want this? What do you want this friendship to look like? You know, what is, what will be helpful for you in this brotherhood? Is it going to be meeting every other week or should we meet weekly? Um, so just revisiting those things, I think are really helpful to clarify and build trust. That's a good thing to get into of when is it time to confront uh, and what you're talking about there right. isn't necessarily confrontation. It could be just an co- open conversation anywhere from open conversation to like rebuke that, that that's hard. Cause you have, you have a lot of, you can have a lot of tension, especially in the early stages of friendship where you're sowing these seeds of love. I think for, for, uh, friendships that have been cultivated over decades. That's just less and less like my brothers that I have from high school that we were saved together, Ben and Bennett and Connor and you and Wes from college, those brotherhoods, I have less, uh, there's less tension there only because there's been decade, a decade plus now of investment of love. But in these early stages of the formation of new brotherhood and friendship, there's opportunity for tension and, I think sometimes that's a question for a lot of people, including myself of like how much of this tension is just my heart needing to learn how to love my brother in the gap of expectation and to give grace there. And I need to just bring that to the Lord and let love cover a multitude of sins. And how much of that tension is needs to be kind of slashed and cut down by conversation. And, and, and now I'm talking about two different things, I guess, here between tension that isn't necessarily due to someone's sin and confrontation or rebuke where there is sin in, in, uh, in the situation. But in either case, I, I, Josh, I'd be really interested in your thoughts on this. I, I think that we need probably to lean toward conversation more than we're prone to because most everyone kind of falls on a different spectrum, but I think most people people would fall on the, on the side of, uh, being confrontation averse more than, uh, leaning toward having the conversation. And, and then I think the more reps that we get, I was talking to, to this about a dear brother here in Charlotte and God is just knitting our hearts together in love. And I was, I just felt like, I think we, I think what God, what God is doing in our hearts right now is he's just giving us a lot of reps and that's what you and I had over the years. Like the more reps you have. And what I mean by that is, 
instances where you're working something out together in the presence of the Lord, whether that's rebuking of sin or confessing a struggle together or um, trying to talk out this difficulty or frustration that you're having, the more reps that you have where you're talking it out, bringing it to the Lord, finding grace on the other side, I think the more that you're fostering a, a, a bed, a soil bed of grace for your friendship. So I think what I would encourage yeah. is, Bring it to the Lord in prayer first, always. Bring it to the Lord in prayer first. But then I think really lean toward having the conversation rather than not having it because I think we're more prone toward not talking, letting that bitterness fester, and then just kind of say, well, I'm that person's just not going to be a, that brother's not going to be a friend. Whereas if we had pressed in, it would have maybe even communicated to them value that we have in them that they may, may not have even known about. Like if, if you're someone who you're, if you were to have that conversation and say, Hey, I really, I really desire more time together or more time in prayer together. That person could actually feel you. You could feel like that's an intimidating conversation to have, but maybe they would actually feel valued. Like I didn't even know that they wanted that with me and they wanted that mm-hmm. time in prayer. So having, I feel like leaning on the side of conversation is most helpful for brothers. Just walking in the light, speaking the truth and love together. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, I definitely think that's true. I think you're, and especially when you talk about expectations, conflict, all of that. I also think um, when it comes to speaking the truth and love, like erring on that side, uh, I think that's very important, but also difficult to do if you're not also like consistently uh, fighting to show them honor and encourage them yeah, daily. Yeah. What, I, what I mean by that is, um, that's true. If I confront, if I confront you on your sin or like an unhealthy habit or pattern um, in your life that I see, so if I if I confront that, I'm speaking the truth to you. So now I guess I'm more now talking about confrontation and like yeah, review, no, this is helpful. Thing, like really speaking the truth. If I, if I do that and I speak the truth, but there hasn't been much just encouragement and life given, then that, that falls on pretty deaf ears. Cause it's like, well, I don't like that. Just how do I know, even know, like you love, you haven't encouraged me at all. You've been built me up. All you've done is just tell me what I, where I suck, you know, where I'm doing wrong. Um, and I think you have to hold those commands of scripture in intention, right? Of like speak the truth in love so that when any joint is not working properly, it may grow in love. So there's that clear command, but there's also the clear command to outdo each other and showing honor to exhort one another every day. Um, and so I think the, it's more, I, at least from what I've seen with guys, it's almost like we need to just do both more yeah. <laughs> rather than, what is often happening, which is usually neither will happen. There's neither like encouragement of man. I'm like so thankful for you. And I want you to know, um, I read this morning and first John three, that the father's like, how great is love. The father's lavish us that we should be called the children of God. My favorite passage, you are a child of God or man. I want you to know, like the other night when, um, you know, you, uh, you prayed at small group or whatever. It was just so encouraging for me or uh, mm-hmm. God has gifted you brother as like a um, man relationally, like you're able to build friends so well, that kind of encouragement. I think we need to do more of yes. as brothers. Um, I see so little of it 
often. Uh, it seems like it's so much easier with brothers to like joke and cut down and like poke fun at each other, which I'm like, I'm all for, and I do it all the time and I'm a total goof. And so I deserve it a lot of times, you know? Um, and I, I love it. I think that's also important in friendship to joke and have fun and not, and like be goofy and not serious all the time. But I think what I would say is most of the friendships I see between brothers err too much on the side of joking, small, casual talk. kind of small talk um, yeah. to where it's like, okay, we've talked a lot about this goofy, fun, dumb stuff, but when was the last time I just in, sat you down, looked you in the eyes and said, brother, I need to tell you, I love you. Like I'm for you. Yeah. God is for you. And man, press on like it's worth it you know like that kind of meaningful encouragement um is where i actually think we miss out on yeah. but then when that's there when that encouragement is there it makes the speaking the truth part way easier because it's like you can build on this foundation of affirmation of love that you have you know it's it's what jesus does with it like he, we're, he we know we're he's for us and he also um confronts us in truth and so does that make sense? I'm like, I think 100%. we can err on the side of speaking in love. or I, I think we err on the side of speaking in truth. That's a good thing. But I also think we kind of need both because it's like right now we're sort of at this surface level conversation where we can't get there. 100%. You know? Yeah. And and on the small talk piece, I'd say for one, one of the reasons why Josh is such a good friend for me among a multitude of reasons, Josh just has a knack for humor that is uh, <laughs> brings I, that I have deep, deep, deep down in uh, past uh, the five layers of intensity in my heart. Um, and but <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm with Josh, it's brought out and brought out in such a refreshing way. But I'd say for if, thinking about it for Josh and I, and I know Josh with all of his brothers, um, that that the humor and the small talk and the it's the side dish. It's not the main course. The main course is edification. The main course is following Jesus, building up one another in love, sharing scripture, talking about where Jesus is leading us and guiding us, uh, encouraging one another all the more as we see the day drawing near. This it's it's a side dish, and I'd say also it's a godly side dish. Crude, crude, uh, um, wherever there's crude joking and ungodly joking that you wouldn't do around Jesus if he was in the in the circle of friends, that's not a side dish. That's poison. <laughs> that's that doesn't build up anyone. So that's another f- feature of Josh's humor, um, and especially the sanctified humor. <laughs> as I think much <laughs> more, much more yeah, today than than when we were eighteen. Yeah, like when we were eight, when we were eighteen, there was still maybe some some uh, among all of us some poison on the plate. <laughs> but, but I would say very much so God is sanctified and, and that side dish of small talk and humor, it's, it's godly. It's not, it's all edifying. It's all in accord with light. It's not dark. Crude joking just has no place. Um, and then in terms of the, the encouraging one another fervently, that providing uh, uh, the space to rebuke one another, that's so helpful. It's like, I don't know how helpful this analogy is, but you can imagine like if two quarterbacks are competing for the starting job and one of them goes out to like throw in a drill and then the other comes and says, Hey, I think you could have done this better. That's going to be received. Not well at all because 
that 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 first quarterback he's going to take that feedback knowing I'm taking this from someone who's in rivalry against me. Mm-hmm. And so when we're uh if if there is a sense because there's not there hasn't been the encouragement and love that has built up the spirit in the friendship any feedback encouragement or feedback rebuke correction godly correction even it, it's going to be taken of like, is this brother actually for me or are they like rebuking me, correcting me just to put me down so that they can go up higher? Cause rivalry is going to be such a temptation in brotherly friendships. On the other hand, if there's such an overwhelming trust that you're for them, that you're, you're, you want their good, that you're building them up in Christ and you're providing that seedbed where, you know, there's no competition here. There's no rivalry here. Then when it comes, when it comes time to say, Hey brother, I think, I think you, you need to walk in this, or you could have done this, or, um, the scripture says this and your life is out of accord with this. That's, that is only seen as running in the same river of grace as the encouragement is. Like when I, if I were to hear rebuke from you, Josh, I would know, I would receive that the exact same way that I would receive an encouragement from you, both working toward me becoming more like Jesus. And I, I'll, I'll confess here to you, my brother, I think as we're having this conversation about our friendship, I feel like I've grown lazy in that, um, toward you for sure. But I would say toward the brothers here in Charlotte, like I think when, when we were in college, I saw that as such a need to be vigilant toward encouragement, vigilant toward uh, showing my brothers that I love them deep with affection. And I think I've kind of grown lazy in that uh, into marriage and fatherhood and just everything. There's no excuse for it. I think I just, I've grown lazy and just assumed, yeah, my brothers know that I love them. They know that I have grace toward them and they, they know that I want their good. And that's just not true. I need to be vigilant and active in showing that and saying that. Um, when it comes yeah. to, uh, when it comes to that honor, I want to, I want to close here before we give some final words of encouragement, when it comes to that, uh, honor, what is the difference between, I, I want to encourage people, brothers here to step into this. Cause that's been a, a big theme. What's the difference between like flattery? That's not helpful at all. And true biblical encouragement. If we want to step into this as brothers, do you want them to approve of you? Yes. Yeah, yep, um, exactly. And, and so what, what happens, and I would actually say I often like I can, because I crave people's approval, I can fall into flattery. Yeah. Um, where I say something because I don't have the courage to say what is hard and maybe needs to be said. I would just rather say what's easy and maybe not true. Right. Like, so flattery is if someone, this is, if someone gives a talk and they, it, it kind of, it's just a terrible talk, right? Like it, on, on every level is not a good talk, but you, after the talk, you're like, Hey, great job, man. Yeah. That is flattery because that talk sucks. Like for- they, you, sh- you should have been honest. Like, Hey, you didn't prepare for that. It was all over. The- like, I don't even know. Like that was not a very helpful, you know, I would, I would be the one that's like, Hey, great job, man. You know, if, <laughs> you're, you, like if you're saying great job or awesome, then you're probably in, <laughs> in the waters of flattery. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, um, which is one of my favorite words. So that probably mm. shows. <laughs> I'm in those waters, <laughs> deep, deep sometimes. <laughs> um, but uh, the way to avoid flattery, I think, is just be specific. You know, like if, if you're specific of, um, hey, bro, I'm I'm so thankful for the way God has gifted you 
um, as someone who uh, just serves people well, like I noticed the way that um, you were just the first one to ask questions in small group of people's lives, you know, like that's like very specific encouragement that is very true and rooted in reality. Flattery is just kind of like, man, you're awesome. You did a great job, you know? So I think that is a helpful way to combat flattery is you're very specific. Um, and then also like, I also think encouragement and um, what we're talking about of showing people honor uh, it's like being, if, if you're in someone's life enough, then hopefully you've seen things that um, and you praise God for in them, you know? Yeah. And I think even being vigilant, like you said, of looking for that in people. So when you're in conversations, when you're in, um, small group together, or at dinner together, whatever, like look for ways that you can celebrate how God has gifted them and uniquely wired them. And then, uh, tell them that Yeah, I don't, especially as brothers, I feel like we don't highlight each other's gifts yep. enough, or we don't highlight, um, like what God is doing in one another's lives enough. And it, it's flattery if it's not rooted in reality, you yeah. know? Yep. Um, but also at the same time, everyone does have sin and is broken, but God has uniquely wired and gifted every single person who has th- the spirit of God. Like they have a unique gift from God. So I think be vigilant about what that is and call it for what it is. Yes. Um, you know, like if you've been a brother to someone for more than like a month and you haven't highlighted what you're thankful for mm. of how God has gifted them or using them, then, um, man, you're, you're not really encouraging and showing value and honor to them. You know, I think yeah. that's a huge piece of showing honor. Um, and the other part is, you know, if you're struggling to find something specific, uh, to encourage them with, then you can always just turn to the word and be like, Hey brother, just wanted to let you know, I was praying this verse over you this morning because I love you. That's a really great way to just encourage someone. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think those are a few things that and not only true biblical encouragement, it's, it's specific, like Josh says, and it's connected to the grace of God. Encouragement is calling out the grace of God in your brother or in your sister. And that means you, you have your radar on instead of primarily for what's wrong, where, what they're missing. And, but you're having your radar on for where the grace of God is, is working in them. And it's either what I, what I say about encouragement, it's either calling, uh, pointing out the grace of God in them or pointing them to the grace of God in Christ. So if you had that brother who, uh, had, had, gave a sermon or something like that, that was just off. And, and you're like, how do I actually encourage them in this? That might mean feedback correction later on. But in the moment, maybe that just means you go to them as soon as they're done, you wrap their, your arm around them, give them a hug and pray for them. Just pray and remind them in prayer of just the grace of God over them as they're, as they're and, and align your heart with. So it's either pointing out the grace of God in them or pointing them to the grace of God in Christ. And that does two things. It not only creates this foundation of love, but it also ensures that your heart is not going to turn toward envy. The more that I was able to encourage Josh and point out the grace of God in, in him, I was my own heart was guarded against being becoming jealous of things in Josh. And instead, yep. what I what my heart was turned toward is if I see something in Josh that resembles Jesus, then it is my duty. It's not just what I ought to do, it's my duty to imitate it by the grace of God. If I see something that he has that is Christ-like that I don't, instead of becoming jealous about that, I need to actually 
imitate that. So honor one another, encourage one another, build one another up. Josh, any final words that you'd have um, to people around, to brothers specifically around seeking friendship in the Lord? Uh, A lot of our conversation has been about like how to be intentional and encourage and things like that. I also think form a good friendship. It, It is important to, to have fun together and just like, uh, laugh together you know and i think i would say it seems like most brothers in our culture at least uh struggle more with the intentional mm-hmm. encouragement speaking the truth and love side of things but i think there are people who you can like so spiritualize a, a friendship that it's like if we're not talking about jesus every single second yeah. of our conversation then we're failing in this friendship um but actually that like small talk about like, you know, what you ate for dinner last night and uh, you know, what, um, how your kids pooped over all over the wall uh, when you're changing their diaper a few nights ago. Mm. Um, Not that as rude in reality, uh, but it definitely is. Um, Those kinds of conversations and things uh, actually build trust, you know, like Jesus went fishing with his disciples and sure that, you know, laughed together, ate over a charcoal fire together. I mean, there's just a ton of, trust built in relationships. I think that's huge. And practically, um, you know, it, it, it really cultivates that place where you can speak truth and love. So do things like text each other, random, uh, funny things that happen or random pictures of, uh, stuff or gifs or memes, you know, like, I think those are really helpful way as long as they're like God honoring, um, to, uh, I think that's important too in, in a friendship. Um, so I would say that, uh, but I also would say, I think COVID, um, has uniquely for, it seems like guys drawn men or excused men more so into isolation, yeah. you know, to where it's like, ah, oh, I can't hang out with people tonight, you know? Um, and in COVID you could have said, well, it's cause of, you know, COVID, I want to be cautious and safe. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm for safety and I think that's important. Um, but at least I'm on the college campus, we've seen devastating effects of isolation, especially in men. I mean, yes, mental health on the rise, but also just the rise of apathy and laziness and sexual sin and all of those things have come as a result of a lot of isolation and just so unwillingness to sacrifice. And so I think um, as a man, as just, someone who longs to please God for eternity with your life, uh, speaking to brothers, friendship is hard and it takes work and it takes sacrifice. But a thousand years from now, you're not going to wish you isolated in your room. You're going to wish you took that step of that hard step of um, stepping into a, a friendship to have a brother who not only you partner with now, but man, you're going to see for eternity, you know? And I think, uh, I think really thinking about having eternity in mind when you build these friendships is huge. Cause you're not just thinking this is a friend to play soccer with, you know, you're fr- thinking like, this is a friend that, that cares about my eternity, which means that is worth it to yeah. not spend this night playing video games, but actually to go engage in conversation, even if I don't feel like it, it's worth it. And so that's part of, losing your life 
to gain it. Yes. You know, also very much applies to friendship because there's going to be so many times where you don't feel like it. Yeah. But I would say feel that deny it and then go do it anyway because yeah. it's worth it. Yeah. It, there's no replacement for in the flesh. We've seen that over, over the last couple years. No replacement mm-hmm. for getting the flesh with brothers with Paul and Timothy. It's almost like when he says, I long to see you, we, we yeah. can almost say, Oh, I long to see you, but I'll just text you if I can't. And I'll just call you if I can't. There's no replacement for getting in the flesh for, for uh, encouraging one another for knowing. And it is, it really is worth it. And I want That's maybe my, my last encouragement to brothers who are listening to this is, you you don't need brotherly brothers in order for your heart to be satisfied in in a sense because God satisfies your heart and and in that way like that was that was that was always a foundation with Josh and I I knew that Josh was being satisfied by the presence of God first and foremost but you in another sense I know this could sound complicated but you do need brothers like you're not okay without them you need the body of Christ you need brothers in order to flourish and become who Jesus called you to be. And you need to be able to experience that in the flesh. So it's worth it. Keep sowing, keep blessing, keep pouring out, um, even when it's hard, and and lean on the grace of Jesus who never leaves. He's the friend that is closer than a brother. Lean on his presence in the meantime. Josh, I really uh, appreciate you taking the time to come on this podcast. I, I just count it such a privilege uh, to be your friend. I, I think, um, when we were in college, I always felt like, man, I'm, I felt like it was such a privilege to be Josh Ferguson's friend because there was so much promise in you and the gifts that God had given you. And, and it was almost like this, what is it, what is God going to do through Josh? And, um, and what I'm, I want to tell you, brother, and I'm, I'm so encouraged by it, is what God has done in the years since college has only exceeded the promise that I thought you had as your friend in college. And of course, what I mean by that is the fruit that he's born uh, through you, but much, much, so, much, much more than that what I have seen in you is a brother who has walked through trial and suffering and through trial and suffering, you have held fast to the love of Jesus and trust in Jesus and the grace of Jesus. So who you have become has only exceeded the promise that I I saw in you in college. And I know it'll only be the case. So I, even more than I did 10 years ago, I find it such a privilege to be your friend and to be your brother Um, so love you brother and to all of you listening just be encouraged take steps sow one little seed water and I, i just see this episode if it not anything else just what god's given josh and i purely through the grace of god see it as a reminder encouragement that it's worth it to sow into brotherly friendship that's all for this episode we'll see you next time